RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Monday morning comes around oh so quickly, and of course that's our health hacks morning here at RCR. Dr. Glenn Davies of ReversalNZ.co.nz is back with me. G'day, Glenn. Hello, Paul. How are you? Not too bad. I've been digesting the um, blood testing information that I had to get my head around last Monday. And before that, of course, the visit to the doctor. And we're still getting inquiries about um, uh, terrain versus germ theory. So, you know, you think you've done one, but it's not the last you hear about it, I'm just saying. But that's okay. And uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty of uh, inquiries and comments after this morning's health hacks. And maybe we'll extend it to next week as well. We'll see how we go. Because we're talking about something that touches a hell of a lot of people. Supplements, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is, you know, potentially a really big topic. And it's something that I think I've changed my personal opinion about um, in recent times. And just as a basic overview, there's sort of two schools of thought, aren't there? There's the school of thought that says a balanced diet will give you all the nutrients that you need and supplements just make expensive urine. That's sort of one school of thought. And then there's the other school of thought that says our modern diets are deficient and supplements are essential to provide all the minerals and vitamins that we need, uh, which are quite divergent opinions. And I think it's an interesting topic for us to discuss this morning. Is it somewhere in the middle or is it one or the other now? Yeah, I I think the answer is somewhere in the middle. And right. uh, as we work through this, I'll provide my my personal opinion of, of what that middle ground looks like. Okay. And, you know, um, I'm thinking getting nutrients and and things that you would otherwise get from supplements if you were lacking um, the, the normal stuff from daily food. Is it the same stuff in the supplements or is it because it's a different is it a different delivery system from, you know, just traditional food? Yeah, that, that's a fantastic question. You know, and I, I, we could probably spend the half an hour discussing that. I think you I think the best way to think of it is to consider food as the perfect delivery system, it will have the micronutrients in the amounts that are needed in the way that are best absorbed, I would expect. And I think the supplement is a best approximation, but I'm not sure that we're going to get it exactly right with the supplement. So if you can get the nutrients and vitamins you need from a food, I think that that's absolutely ideal. That's probably perfect. The supplement is your backstop. Yeah. And if you need to top up how, how or top up, uh, how do you know how much to top up by? <laughs> that's the other thing. Yeah, and, and that's why I think this is such a difficult topic because we don't do a lot of testing of minerals and vitamins. You know, we do some basic ones. We do iron. Uh, we do B12, we do folic acid, but, you know, that's just a tiny, tiny number compared with, I don't know, the hundreds or thousands of minerals and vitamins that we actually need. So, yeah, without testing it, I really don't think we know. Okay, so where are you going to start on this then? Okay, well, I, I wanted to start with 
RDI, which is recommended daily intake, and, and that's what we used to have. And the recommended daily intake is the amount that you need to prevent a deficiency state. So, for example, with vitamin C, it's the amount of vitamin C you need to prevent scurvy. But how does that relate to an ideal level or an optimal level? Um, I think there's a dramatic uh, difference probably, but for what it is, it, it's of value. It, it tells us the minimum amount we need so that we don't get scurvy or we don't develop a goiter, et cetera. But it, it's not really what we're after on this show where we're talking about optimal health, well, optimal health, is it? So I was looking into this just before I came on, and we now talk about um, in New Zealand uh, nutrient reference values, which is NRV, nutrient reference values. So it does look at the recommended daily intake, but it also goes that next, bit, that next step further where it's talking about the recommendations to prevent chronic disease if that information is known. So, so they're giving us two sort of um, reference ranges now, which I think is an excellent improvement. Uh, it probably doesn't get us to optimal ranges though, but we're certainly going a step further in terms of asking the question, how much do we need of each nutrient to prevent a chronic disease. So, so that's a good step. Um, and, and I saw that on the Ministry of Health website. So, so that's available if people want to look at those levels. But it's really just scratching the surface because those requirements will differ with age. They'll differ with the amount of exercise you're doing. Like, for example, magnesium, you, you sweat out a whole lot of magnesium when you exercise hard. It's going to differ if you run well. Um, you know, I'm just thinking if you had a, a chronic kidney condition, I expect you would excrete or potentially you might excrete more of certain minerals than you would if you didn't or, or the opposite, you know, so... A chronic illness would make a difference. And then what about toxicities? What if you work in an environment where you're exposed to a lot of toxins? I'm, I'm thinking perhaps a welder. You know, is that going to impact on uh, toxicity levels um, or is it going to impair the intake of something else? So, for example, uh, iron and copper are absorbed through the same uh, binding site, you know, so if you've got high levels of iron, you might have high levels of copper. So I, I guess what I'm trying to come to is that there's a whole lot of intricacy and complication in this, and I don't think we necessarily know all the answers. And what about if you're sleeping poorly? What about if you're taking other medications? That's going to affect your requirements for other, uh, you know, for nutrients. And I'm thinking particularly of diuretics, which cause uh, increased excretion of urine, I would expect you're going to excrete more of certain minerals. And other ones, the protein pump inhibitors like the LOSEC or Imprazole that people take for stomach acid issues, stomach ulcers, that, that impairs the absorption of certain minerals. So there's a lot of complexity in this, yeah. <laughs> in this topic. You know, this is a this matrix. Is not, yeah, this is not an easy topic. And we're not measuring the levels, so 
I guess we just have to use some basic principles, think through it in a little bit more detail, and then come to some best approximations. You said scurvy. I can't I can't go any further without actually coming back to that because that immediately I have images of Captain Cook, you know, and his crew with sort of bow legs discovering breadfruit, I think, in Tahiti and solving that problem. And I'm wondering, do you still see people with scurvy today? So I don't think I've ever diagnosed scurvy, but your question is a really good one. Do we actually see the subclinical scurvy? And I wonder about the people with um, severe gum disease and um, how many of them might potentially have a, a subclinical scurvy. So, so yeah, I, I think we don't necessarily see those profound manifestations that physicians of 100 or 200 years ago might have. But some of these subclinical presentations, I think perhaps we do and we miss it. Right. Okay, so next uh, question for me is, with all that information you just gave on on ratios and, and doses and all of that, how do you work it out? How do you work out what is right for you? Because it'd be easy to go buy a whole lot of supplements and just chug them down, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, um, I, really, I really don't think there's a clear answer to that. And, and we might discuss that a little bit more because I think there's a, some nuance to that, to that answer um, when I sort of give my opinion about whether you should take them or not. But just before we go on to that, I just wanted to talk about the nutrient content of food because okay. uh, I have a, a friend called Phil and he's got one of these handheld spectrometers that look at the, um, the sugar content of various foods. They use them in um, vineyards to determine if the grapes are ripe or not. Okay. Well, he, he did this little experiment where he looked at a variety of supermarket uh, grown fruit and vegetables, and then he went, compared that with his own organic um, homegrown. Oh, interesting. Produce, yeah. Which, uh, um, from which he'd grown uh, with his own compost. So he was pretty confident that the nutrient content of the soil was high. He knew that he had lots of worms in his soil fills, an ex-farmer. And um, when he was farming, he used biological um, fertilizers rather than superphosphate. So this is a, a real interest area of his. And his comment was that there was an up to a three times difference in the nutrient content between the supermarket fruit and vegetables and his homegrown stuff. So wow. okay. it raises for me this question of, are we getting the nutrients in the food that we expect we're getting? And a lot of um, fruit and vegetables or crops that are grown with superphosphate, it looks really good. You know, the grass, for example, it looks really yeah. good. Cosmetic, but, yeah. But it doesn't necessarily have the nutrient complexity that that we require. And that, to me, raises this concern is the supermarket produce might look good, but does it have all the nutrients that we need? And even if we are eating a diet which is um, full of fruit and vegetables, you know, is it possible that they are not as nutrient dense as as we believe them to be? So that raises this other level of complexity. And when you look at farming, the you can put the nutrients on the soil, but 
are those nutrients bioavailable to the plants? And it requires all of the worms and the bacteria and the viruses and the fungus in the soil to make it bioavailable. You know, so there's there's this extra layer of um, complexity there. So, you know, when I go and dig over my garden, I'm excited when I see heaps of worms there because I, I'm then anticipating that the fertilizers we put on will become bioavailable and will then get into the into the plant. That's quite an issue then, isn't it? Because you think you're eating the right stuff and you're eating it for the right motivation, but you may not necessarily be getting anywhere near, well, not what you think, but but what your body needs. But you think you're doing okay. That, that seems to be, to me, to be quite an issue, actually. And um, please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that all supermarket um, no. vegetables are, are going to be low in nutrients. That's but you need I'm to know, right? You kind of need to know what the ballpark is of what you're buying. Yeah, and and um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, because uh, I've got a very good friend who owns a supermarket, so I hope that, um, <laughs> that this is not interpreted as me saying that supermarket fruits and vegetables are deficient. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there are there is complexity in this issue. Another one is um, when you pick uh, fruit, for example, so if you pick it before it's ripened and then it ripens in transit, it doesn't have the same vitamin content or vitamin C particularly as it does if it ripens on the tree because I think it's during that ripening process that a lot of that topping up occurs and a lot of things are picked early, uh, which makes sense because if it's going to take a week for processing and transport and sale, um, you can't pick it up. You know, you're not going to pick it on the day it's perfect. So, so that's an issue. The Would type that go of the- for avocados because that's one thing I noticed with avocados. I don't like the hard ones in the supermarket because I can't use them first up. So I put, you know, they're picked. They sit on the shelf for a day or two and they ripen up. Is is that could we be missing something as a result of that? I know you don't you know you don't know for sure, but that's mm. kind of like like what you just described. And and also, I don't want to get in trouble from a whole lot of um, farmers. I I did that recently. I was um, I had some foods on the stage, and uh, we were sort of arranging them from you know highly nutritious foods to kind of rubbish foods. And yeah. by accident, the bottle of milk had ended up oh, uh, yeah. down the end of the table with the coke, and it definitely wasn't intentional. And a dairy farmer came up to me at the end and said, well, what, what the hell are you doing? You're trying to destroy dairy farming. And I went, oh, look, I'm just so sorry. It was a, a complete mistake. accident. It, it ended. It shouldn't have been there with the Coke. You know, I'm not implying that milk and Coke are the same thing. And, and again, I don't want to do that in this. I don't want a whole lot of avocado farmers. No, to no, I, I understand that. Me. But it just helps to know these things because you, you, if, you if you don't have this information, you never give it a thought. Yeah, and and I think if a fruit ripens on the tree, it is likely to have a higher nutrient content than if it uh, doesn't. Okay. But then I guess there's a whole lot of practical issues like that, and I know that avocados are um, cool stored, um, which makes sense. But yeah, yeah. geez, I don't want a whole lot of avocado farmers to <laughs> angry be avocado ripping, farmers ripping into me. I, it's really Chasing not my you intention. down the street in Taupo. 
yeah, these are these are potential issues. You know, another one is um, the type of fertilizers that are used is important, and um, and I'm pretty sure that if you put the minimum amount on, uh, that's not so good as if you get a soil test and you design your fertilizer mixture to meet the deficiencies in your soils. And I know that many farmers do that, uh, but I know that sometimes uh, we don't as well. Another one, another one in there is organic versus um, non-organic. You know, um, I, I think, you know, it's a lot more expensive for organic food, but I'm, would anticipate for the reasons that we've talked about, you would expect a higher nutrient content in organic food. Again, I'm not uh, an organic farmer and I can't say that for sure, but I'm just talking logical sense. You would expect it to be a higher nutrient content. Yeah, it sort of makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I'm just I'm thinking I'm getting myself into a whole lot of trouble for making these unsupported um, statements. Well, you wanted to go here. <laughs> Please, no one, no one, um, don't know. I'm not trying to get myself into trouble. Uh, these are just discussing issues, you know. Yeah, well, it's good to to be informed and to know about these things. It's always good to have the information because how often does anyone think about this? They just yeah. assume. They make assumptions. Yeah, I know I do. Yeah, up till now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay so where to next? Where to next? My my opinion, or where do I stand on this issue of is it just expensive urine or is it uh, essential for our health? Well, my opinions changed a little bit recently because I have been of the opinion that for myself personally, who puts a lot, you know, a, a huge amount of effort into my diet. I was pretty confident that my diet was giving me everything I needed. Uh, and then I just, um, as an experiment, um, started taking sup some supplements. It was a multi-mineral and multivitamin and some vitamin C uh, and some fish oils. And I just felt dramatically better. Oh, so you noticed it? I, I, I noticed a distinct difference, you know, that like – yeah, definite noticeable difference. Um, N equals one, an experiment of one. This was just on myself. But yeah. that really caused me to start thinking um, about this issue in a little bit more detail. So when, you, when you say you felt better, I mean, describe that. What Just an all-round improvement of well-being or were there specific things that you kind of noticed? It was It was more the first. It was vitality. I, I felt more energetic, more alive, more enthusiastic. Uh, just generally better. And no, it wasn't a, a specific um, thing that started or stopped. It was it was a general feeling better. And and I know that many things can make you feel better, but I'm I'm convinced it was starting the supplements because it was that day. Okay, so almost in, instantaneous. Yes. As, as if I was lacking in something and I'd replaced it with that supplement. Gosh, the body must have been hungry for it then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so what is my opinion or my middle ground on this? My middle ground is if you have close to the perfect diet, if you have, you know, you're eating a Mediterranean diet, which is, you know, full with vegetables, high-quality proteins, um, high-quality fats, um, perhaps it's organic, um, you don't have high levels of toxicity, you drink um, water and herbal teas, you're not drinking eight eight coffees a day, you're not drinking oh alcohol. You know, say 
say your your diet looks pretty much like that. You exercise regularly, you sleep well, um, you meditate, uh, you have wonderful um, relationships with your friends and family. Um, mm-hmm. You know that that kind of situation. I think perhaps you are going to get everything that you need from your diet, and your requirements are not going to be that high. Um, however. For people who aren't in that situation, and and these are the people I'm thinking of, either you are on a restrictive diet because you're using it as a medical treatment. So I'm thinking I prescribe a lot of ketogenic diets for people with type 2 diabetes or people with cancer or people with epilepsy, for example. You know, that's a restrictive diet. It cuts out um, all the grains, and whole grains are an excellent source of B vitamins. Uh, you know, it's and it cuts out fruit, which is an excellent source of vitamin C. You know, those people probably will need to be taking some supplements. You might be on a whole food plant-based diet or a strict vegan diet. You know, that diet um, is likely to be low in B12 and zinc, for example. I think they would need to be taking some some specific supplements. But then I think of the standard American diet or the standard Australian diet, the standard ATRR diet. Basically, it's, sta- it's sad, isn't it? It's SAD. You know, yeah. that diet is replete in energy or calories, but it is likely to be deficient in nutrients. You know, so it's got a lot of um, white stuff in it. It's got a lot of white flour and white sugar and white bread and pasta. You know, even though that's got lots of energy and, in fact, too much energy, it's likely to be deficient in calories. So I think anyone on a restricted diet probably needs to supplement. Then I think people who have a medical condition uh, probably need to supplement. People that are on medications probably need to supplement. And people that are highly stressed or undergo or experiencing toxicity for whatever reason i think also need to you mean and, emotional toxicity is that what you're talking about um I'm or, or like working that, in the steel mill like you said before I'm, I'm thinking both you know it could be either and it's a really good point you're making that you know emotional or spiritual injury is probably just as toxic as um as poisoning okay well that's something to bear in mind okay so then when you nail that down, that ends up being most of us uh, are yeah. on a deficient diet for some reason, whether it's uh, a cost issue. And and I, I know that when we have these conversations, um, there are many people in our communities that just affording food of some sort is, is the most they can do. And I my heart really goes out to people who are struggling to put food on the table for their families. Uh, But people that are affluent enough to be able to choose, uh, if they are not choosing close to the optimum diet, the Mediterranean diet or, you know, for example, you know, I think they need to be looking for supplements. Just while I'm saying that, if it comes down to a choice of affording food or buying a supplement, please buy, you know, buy the food. You know, like I think, I think you know, food is more than just the micro minerals. Right, there's more to it. Talking yep. about, you know, there's energy in it as well. So please yep. buy the food. This is really for people who 
are affluent enough to be able to make this choice. And if you are in that situation, I'm thinking, you know, these this group I'm describing that don't have the ultimate diet, I think that's probably the majority of people and the majority of people should be considering supplements, I think. And that was supported by my personal experience of having what I thought was a very high quality diet and still feeling that definite benefit from taking a supplement. Do you, um, with your patients or clients, let's call them clients, do you recommend, you know, as if you think it's necessary as part of the package of care or, or whatever, do you, are you recommending supplements? Is that what, does it, do they come into that part of what you do? Yeah, I, I do because most of the people who I'm seeing have a medical condition. Uh, so therefore they're in that group where I think they require supplements. Uh, I, I tend to be, try and be specific with the supplements and I wonder if that's a topic that we might move on to and, and do that next week, you know, specific sure. yeah. supplementation. Most people I'm recommending specific supplements because they have a particular condition. This, this conversation, I guess, is around if you are just a general medical, a, you know, general member of the public going about your normal day-to-day um, existence, should yeah. I be taking a supplement or not? And I think the answer is I probably would, even if it's just an insurance policy, because we're not testing we don't, and we don't know that our foods are full of all the nutrients we expect them to be. I wonder if just for insurance, it would be a good idea to take a general supplement regime. So what might that look like? I think a general multi-mineral and vitamin supplement uh, would be a really good insurance policy. You know, so that's that's got all the B vitamins, it's got some D in it, it's got some A, some E, some K, it's got some zinc, some selenium, some calcium, some magnesium, you know, it's got it's got a bit of everything in it. I think that's a really intelligent thing to do. I would probably also take some vitamin C and I would also probably take an omega-3 supplement, whether that's a fish oil or flaxseed oil. I think that would be a basic insurance policy um, that I think most people would consider doing. Here's a a question, and I'm only asking this because I sort of um, know a little bit about it, and I've interviewed a few people about it. There's a new regime for therapeutic drugs, or it's the Therapeutic Drugs Bill or Act, I think. And there seems to be a lot of concern in the supplement providing industry that this could sort of strangulate what's available and uh, certainly, um, you know, uh, stop new products coming in because the thresholds, the bar for having them approved is almost at the level of, you know, the industrial um, um, pharma um, level, and that's very expensive. Is that something that could change things? I mean, I'm not asking you to make any philosophical comment on that but that is that is being talked about a lot and the australian experience is that there's really been because they've had this regime for a while there's been no new innovation there's been no innovation it's been sort of cut off at the point where this regime came in and uh, you know people are worried that it will affect the industry and everything any any thoughts about that yeah, um, I'm, I must admit it's it's not a topic that I have um, explored um, deeply. Um, there's there's so much going on 
at the moment. There's, yeah, no, there's so much to Fair explore enough. and so much to, to learn. But as a as a general comment, I I think you know supplements are generally safe and yeah. they're generally safe at the at the levels that we we have them at. Uh, I hope that we don't restrict the availability of of these simple compounds. So um, yeah, I, I know I haven't answered your question. No, that's all right. It's, just, it's really be. just that um, it's not something I've explored in a great deal. Okay, but um, th- there doesn't seem to be any major downsides. What you're saying because we would have so many people take them, you'd see a pattern emerge, wouldn't you? If there was, if it was risky to any sort of level. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. Um, I would make the comment, though, that there are some exceptions to to that, to your comment, and I think um, pregnant women is, is an example because some of the fat-soluble vitamins, uh, there's concern about them building up to toxic levels uh, in the fetus. So fat-soluble vitamins are A, D, E, and K. So this this um, these rules don't apply to pregnant women. There are specific antenatal vitamins where those fat-soluble vitamin levels are are much lower. So, And then another area is in this um, medicine-nutrient interaction or medical nutrient side effects. So uh, I, I come across this most often in prescribing for people who are on psychiatric medicines. You can bring about a worsening of side effects from the psychiatric medicines if you push um, multi-minerals and multivitamins too high. So, so there, are, there are interactions between them. And another one I think of is the interactions between supplements and warfarin levels. You know, so people on medicine... That, that's a blood thinner, right? That's, that's a, blood a blood thinner. And the levels can vary uh, with foods. Um, but also with nutrients. So, you know, there are some considerations in there, but generally taking supplements at the levels that are available in your health food shop or your pharmacy uh, are, are safe in my experience. We've talked about cancer before, so and I've heard a lot about this, and, I, and people were on to me when I had it, taking vitamin C in huge doses if you have a cancer. I actually didn't do that in the end, but uh, plenty of people recommended it to me. Is there anything in that without sort of getting bogged down in t- too yeah. many specifics? Well, we'll do a whole a whole um, session on that at some stage, but the doses you can receive orally of vitamin C uh, do not kill cancer cells. They do support your immune system and reduce inflammation, but it needs to be intravenous at very, very high doses to achieve cancer killing. The doses are 1.1 gram per kilogram. So you only achieve that with intravenous doses. So yes, absolutely take vitamin C as an antioxidant if you have cancer, but it's not a chemotherapy alternative uh, at oral doses. Still a supplemental thing. It'd be a very, very good idea because there is a lot of oxidative stress um, for many people who have cancer. So... Again, without getting too complicated, um, explain how that oxidation. How, how, explain how that works, just quickly. I'm just really curious. Yeah. So just imagine, just imagine this. You've got two armies uh, in your body. You've got the um, you've got oxidative stress on one side, 
and you've got antioxidants on the other side. Yep. Oxidative stress um, is basically inflammation. So think of that as the consequence of all the bad things that we do during the day. Okay. And then your antioxidants are what um, battles against that. And, for example, that's your vitamin C. You always want your antioxidant army to be bigger than your oxidative stress army so that there is a net antioxidant um, win. You know, that's what you always want to create. And that's, I think, what you uh, support when you take that additional vitamin C. And people who have where their oxidative stress is beating their antioxidants, they might experience inflammation. So it might be joint pain, muscle pain, uh, brain fog. You know, you always want to be, your antioxidants want to be winning. And it's not just vitamin C, there's there's others, uh, Reservatrol and the red wine. I think we discussed that when yeah, we, we <laughs> discussed alcohol, a, a few, um, you know, um, turmeric. There are there are a huge number of antioxidants uh, and we, we will need at some stage to go on and talk about, um, you know, the herbal treatments and things like turmeric and reservatrol. We're just limiting this talk to yep. minerals and, and vitamins. But, yeah, once you get into, into that next level, which is kind of the, the other thing that we tend to talk about when we talk about supplements, you know, where we're talking about the herbal treatments and those nutrient foods, cinnamon, turmeric, et cetera. Okay. Um, have we got up to the threshold yet? Um, where we make a decision on whether to do a part two to this or what do you think? Yeah. Or, or can let's you wrap it a, now? Let's do a part two because, you know, people I think will be going, well, I've got this. What should I take for that? You know, or how much magnesium should I talk? Should I be taking to help me sleep better? Or, um, you know, this is, we might go over that um, vitamin D with K2 Again, you know, so and how much vitamin D? Let's well, let's just delve down into a bit more specifics about this um, next week. So, just to summarise this week, my summary is: optimise your diet, do as much as you can to optimise your diet and those other lifestyle factors like sleep and exercise and healthy relationships and community, etc. Do all of that. But I think for the majority of people, taking a multi-mineral and multivitamin, uh, some vitamin C and perhaps also some omega-3s most days uh, would be a great insurance policy. And that's where I've ended up. It's not expensive urine. It's an insurance policy. Okay, okay Glenn, let's do part two next Monday morning on supplements. All right. And if anyone it. has any questions or, or writes in anything, in the meantime, if it's um, sort of in the zone, you, you can maybe take a quick look over those two. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. That would be a great way to run next week, actually, would be to answer some. i got a feeling questions. we'll get some income. I think we will, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to have to do more research, aren't I? Oh, dear. you have to do something. <laughs> okay, Glenn Davies with our Health Hacks. Thanks again. We'll talk next Monday morning, okay? Thank you very much. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.